Business's Big Podcast. It's the marketing podcast for podcasters. Build a big podcast. I'm David Hooper. This podcast, it's about growing your podcast, building a big audience, spreading your message, making money with your podcast, making the world a better place. This episode, part two with Dan Hughley of Focusrite, it is about recording your message because before you can get your message out, you got to get it on tape. Dan is one of these guys that I think personifies the music industry. That's my background. Spent years in music doing marketing. I grew up in recording studios. I grew up in Nashville. My first session, five years old. I was on a kid's record (laughs) as the vocalist. And it's one of those things I think I took for granted I had a multi-track recording studio in my high school. I'm talking about two-inch tape, a huge board. This was way before digital recording. Huge control room, big tracking room, isolation booths. This was stuff that I was around. Dan Hughley, one of these guys. He's been around recording for a long time. On this episode, we're talking about how things have changed as far as recording. The conversation actually starts off with, you got 500 bucks. What would you do to get a great podcast recording studio? But we talk about common recording mistakes that people make. People like me that have been around recording for a long, long time. People like Dan who have actually been to school for recording. We get overwhelmed too. He shares some funny stories about things that have gone wrong in the studio. God knows I've had those things too. So if you're intimidated about recording yourself, you're intimidated about recording other people, you're definitely going to walk away from this knowing that you're not the only one who has that experience. Dan's got some great advice on how to learn your gear. I talked about being in these studios with these big boards, hundreds and hundreds of knobs. How do you learn that? Well, he's got some thoughts on that. We talk about the pressure of recording. That's something that we have a lot in podcasting. You're not always in a studio. Sometimes you're on location and you've got to get that take when it is available to you. What do you do in a situation like that? Specifically, what can you do to make sure that what you get on tape is actually something that you can use? One of the worst feelings that you can have is to have a great interview, then find out that you didn't get something on tape at all, or the tape that you did get, it's corrupted, it's clipped, the gain level, the quality of the voice, it's just not there, it can't be repaired, it's got too much noise. We're talking about all of those things. If you haven't heard part one, that is more about the psychology of getting a good interview on tape. That is available in the feed right now. You can get it by going to bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. When you go there, you're going to see three buttons, one for iPhone, one for Android. I've got an RSS button and you don't like buttons. I've got a QR code for you. You can scan it with your phone. You get part one of me talking with Dan Hughley and all the other episodes that I do about building a big podcast, getting more people to your podcast, spreading your message, making more money with your podcast. It's worth noting that this interview was done remotely. Me in Nashville, Tennessee in my tricked out walk-in closet. Dan all the way across the country in Laurel, Montana. We did what they call a double ender, each side recorded locally, so it sounds like we're in the same room. When it comes to technology, this is one of those things that you've got available to you via Riverside.fm. It's the leading platform to record studio quality, remote podcast and video. You know what they used to have to do to do this? Send somebody to you with a microphone and a tape recorder. That's how they would do double enders. They do the interviews through the phone, somebody holding a microphone up to your mouth. Not anymore thanks to tools like Riverside.fm. It's used by over 70,000 people and companies companies like Spotify and the New York Times. It records each person locally automatically. That's the double ender element. Then what it does is it uploads everything to the cloud, the individual tracks available for you to edit however you please. And it's easy. You simply send your guest a link, they click on it just like a normal web link, 
and are immediately taken to the Riverside Studio. Everything is online. There's nothing to download. It is unbelievably easy for your guest. You can try it for free. They're going to give you a couple of hours. That's enough to get an interview, maybe two. Go to Riverside.fm. Check it out for free. You're going to love this. You're going to sound great. Your guest is going to sound great. You want to be a paid customer? Here's a discount code for you. Big Podcast, B-I-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Go to Riverside.fm. Try it for a couple of hours. Get that interview. Sound great. Make your guests sound great. If you want to stick around, discount code to get 15% off. Big Podcast, B-I-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Quick note before I transfer over to the interview with Dan. My voice right now is being recorded into the Scarlet 4i4 fourth generation. We talk about this later in the interview. The interview itself, that was recorded on the Scarlet 4i4 third generation. The fourth generation interfaces, a lot of people super excited about these. This is the difference. You're hearing me on the fourth generation. This interview with Dan Hughley, I'm on the third generation. Here we go. $500 to spend, Focusrite products or not. Let's say this, including Focusrite. This is the interface that I'm using, the Focusrite 4i4. Let's say $500 for a podcaster wants to step it up, microphone, interface, any other kind of gear, all of it. Can it be done in $500, first of all? Oh, yeah, very easily. Okay. Um, you're, you're giving me an easy one there because Vocaster, which I'm using, I'm using a Vocaster 2 Studio. That's a Vocaster 2 interface. It ships with a mic and headphones and a cable. So really, the only thing you need beyond that is a way to support that mic, like a mic stand or a boom arm or something. Which those are like 20, 30 bucks on Amazon these days. Yeah, that's not something we make. Although I'll side note, the new Scarlet Studio comes with a cardboard mic stand. We're trying to be more sustainable. Cardboard? We put a cardboard mic stand in the new studio bundle box for fourth gen Scarlet. I've got to see this because I've... Yeah, it's cool. I'll send you a picture. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. But yeah. it's part of the packaging. It's like Ikea. You got to put it together. <laughs> you do. You you actually have to... It's It's perforated cardboard. You have to tear away a couple bits of it. And then you have to fold a couple bits of it. And then the mic fits in there perfectly. To me, it's great for a kick drum mic. It's low. Yeah, it's low. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It, but also, if I set it on my desk, it'd be in a good position to speak through. Nice. Yeah. I would go with something like the Vocaster 2 Studio for a couple reasons. It comes with everything you need for one person to get started. It does only come with one mic and one headphones. But we kind of assumed that if you're going to be investing at, at that level, you probably already have a mic and headphones that you like. But we do sell this mic and headphones separately if you want to complete the set. That's the kit you need. It's going to get you everything. You're going to be able to hear yourself, speak into it. Yeah. The other thing I think is great for new podcasters is if you start mixing and matching equipment, if you looked at the gear that I've got here, I've got five different brands, different yeah. backup recorder, you know, and you've got to figure out how to use it. So if, if you want it all in one place, it's not only the auto gain, it's the set it and forget it. It's... Yeah. Like we're going to guide you through this and you can plug this into that and it's going to work. $399 is how much Vocaster 2 Studio costs. So you got a hundred bucks. I'm glad you mentioned the boom arm because this is another thing you can do to, uh, or the, you call it a mic stand. I'm going to say boom because you want that mic close to your mouth. You do. To sound good. If you get it too far away, you get the air of the room. Mic technique is very important. It sounds like you're practicing good mic technique. I'm about two inches away if you're wondering how close I am. I usually say a fist. We say three fingers. Yep. If you just can't do that, if you're fidgety, if your head moves too much, Audio-Technica makes this headset. It's a BPHS-1, and it has a really decent sounding mic. What? You... Uh, wait a minute. Really? Yeah. I've used it several times on the Focusrite Pro podcast. That's all we used for the first few episodes. We eventually got some SM7Bs, but yeah, we use this headset that has a boom mic on it. It goes right in front of your mouth. It stays there, and you're able to 
forget about it. You hear the conversation and it sounds really good. So it's like Monday night football or yeah, it is yeah. McDonald's drive through. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you live that down. No, but the, it's great. No, no joke. You look at sports casters and they use that for those reasons. They do. And it's just because, especially if you have in-person interviews, it's so much easier to just forget it's there and be yourself. The other thing is your guest who doesn't know Mike technique. Right. Exactly. And that's the issue that you face. You and I know it. You know it as a mm-hmm. podcaster, but the guests are all around, don't know what, you know, they, yeah. uh, so it, sometimes that can be helpful to them and they can focus on the content and relaxing. Exactly. Easy for you and I to do this. We do this kind of thing. I'm on the phone all day long. So I have a boom arm actually drilled into my desk here with my mic and I just kind of swing it out of the way when I'm working, when I get five minutes to actually work today. It is funny how you, <laughs> you get into that mode. A, a f- friend of mine, I'll go ahead and say her name because I told her this and, and this, we had a good laugh at this. Uh, Zeta Christian, the oldest podcaster that I know. She was 69 when she first started podcasting. And unfortunately, her husband passed away and she was at the funeral. They were giving him a send-off service. And she walked up to give the speech and everybody else is just doing the mic. You'll see this on any kind of public speaking that you do. They don't know anything about the mic technique. And she took that mic and she put it right in front of her mouth. I said, I think your husband would have gotten a kick out of that and appreciated it because we're used to it. We feel like the mic needs to be close to our mouths. When I look at these YouTubers that don't want a mic, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand it. This is, yeah. this is natural for me to have that. So, I've had podcasters at events come to me and ask, I don't want my mic in the shop. Where do I put it? I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but that's not how microphones work. Right. (laughs) It has to be in front of your mouth. Yeah, but it won't look good on camera. Yeah. Yeah, but that's how microphones work. It's like, look, I I, want to lose weight, but I don't want to go to the gym and I like to eat Big Macs. Can you do (laughs) something? That's there are rules of the universe and that's one of them. Yeah, it is. You know, you, you can, of course, find some lower profile things. You can get those low profile boom arms, which are cool that they kind of float right above. Yeah. If you're doing video, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, for me, though, I, I think that people overemphasize that or maybe it's vanity. Like in the NFL, they call it like helmet syndrome. Like these these NFL people, they're so used to being seen with helmets. They want to get those helmets off and be seen. Yeah. And I think some YouTubers are like that. But look, own this thing, man. If you're a podcaster, look like a podcaster. I've got an RE20. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know that, Mike, Dan. So yeah. If you're not familiar with it, it looks like it came out of Soviet era. It looks like a military thing from the 50s. And it's about 50 years old. So they haven't upgraded it. No, it's not a pretty mic, but it is the mic and put it in there and show them you're the man. I have a good RE20 story from music school that I don't remember what the class was, but it was basically every day we would mic everything up, record for a few seconds and then tear everything down and put it away. And all that was, was setting up and tearing down sessions basically. Wow. Well, huge though, because you got to be organized in the studio. Yeah. Full drum kit. Um, We'd mic up bass cabinets. We'd mic up pianos, vocalists, all kinds of things. Every day it was, and it started off of just this kick drum and then kick drum plus snare and then overheads and then all the toms. And then finally, by the end of the semester, we were miking up a full band. But my RE20 story is hilarious. I mic'd up a big Ampeg cabinet. I put the RE20 and it's a top address mic, which means it has, um, I'm forgetting the word for it. The uh, uh, the screen. It has screen along the whole side of it. Variable D technology, I think you mean. I thought it was a side address mic. Oh, no. So I had set it up horizontally, <laughs> right? And um, I go in there. I'm like, I got it ready. And the teacher goes, are you sure? Yeah. It's not going to sound good. I'm like, what do you mean? I got it. You know, you told me to put it three <laughs> inches away from the speaker and center it on the cone and this and that. And he's like, 
all right, hit record, but it's going to sound really thin and it's going to sound really quiet. I go, okay, weird. And sure enough, the bass sounded really thin and it sounded kind of quiet and off axis. And he goes, top address, Mike, go move it. And it was one of those teachers that was just like that, just factual top address, go fix it. And I'll never forget that. You know, I lesson learned right there. You know, I, I run into podcasters who do this all the time. I'm so glad you brought it up because some of these mics, Audio-Technica makes a few of them. It looks like you talk into the end or it looks like you, it, it's not clear. Even the road yeah. mics, they have an arrow like speak in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not familiar with a mic, as a matter of fact, there's an RE20 in the Queen movie where mm -hmm. they've set it up just like you did in the studio. They've set it up the wrong way and they're singing Bohemian Rhapsody into it. It's like, uh. you've got to know which end of the mic to speak yeah. into. And, th and that sounds so basic, but obviously, you know, if you're there at Musicians Institute or wherever learning all this stuff, and if you can make the mistake, we can make the mistake. It happens all the time. I was new. I was so new. I had no idea what I was getting into. The overwhelm was real for me with all of the gear. Overwhelm is real. It happens. Learn one piece of gear at a time. Get really, really good at it. Yeah. And then if you need another piece of gear, go ahead and, and learn that one. Repeat the process. Make it so you're able to mic up a whole band, tear it down, and mic it up again. But do that with a piece of gear. You know, learn a yeah. compressor, learn an EQ, a mic pre. Yeah. I have this ISA-1. I haven't fully learned it. I haven't used it enough to fully learn it. ISA-1 is a an external mic pre uh, that you plug into your interface. You plug your microphone into the mic pre that's basically powering the microphone yeah so it is able to pick up exactly yeah and they all have different colors or flavors it's funny because sound is described in colors a lot of times there was one time they were like make this song sound a bit more blue I'm like <laughs> okay how do i do that and you think of the the blue color and you go okay I, let me try a couple things and you go no a little no that's a little green let's get back to the blue okay uh <laughs> that's a bit of that psychology especially with producers if you're an engineer I saw something from Phil Collins, bass player, and I do not remember his name. He looks like he's from the Oak Ridge Boys. Mm -hmm. And he put a fake switch on his bass. Mm -hmm. And the producer is like, uh, listen, I need you to try something different. He goes, okay, let me uh, flip the switch. Yeah. And he plays the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Not connected to anything. Yeah. Not connected to anything. He's, oh yeah, that sounds better. I mean, sometimes it's going to be in your head and sometimes there is. Uh -huh. it, it took me a while before I could tell the difference between maybe an RE20 and an SM57, which is a very yeah. common microphone. Oh, yeah. I've got one of those. It's yep. the first mic I ever bought. Yep. It took me a minute, and sometimes I think I can hear it, and sometimes I wonder if I am, even with as much experience as I have. Are you familiar with the Dangerous Monitor Controller, Dangerous Audio, or Dangerous Music? No, but it sounds awesome. It's just a monitor controller that goes on your desk. It's a remote. There's a piece of rack mount gear that goes on the other side of the room that you plug all your monitors and all your routing and stuff goes into that box. But there's a button on there that it's labeled PP. And all that does is toggle a red light on the rack mount unit on and off. And it's producer pacifier is what that label means. <laughs> and, you know, so when your producer is asking for something, you're like, oh, just make sure that red light's on over there. And you hit that button and they think that they heard something. And it absolutely does not. Listen, I'll tell you a funny story. <laughs> I have a dog and he will have a bone right next to him, like an elk antler, these antlers that mm -hmm. fall off oh, yeah. the elk. And, oh, yeah. and he loves chewing on this thing. He'll look at me, <laughs> looks up where we used to keep this thing. And I was like, you want a bone? And there's one right next to him. And I will literally get that one and another one, let him choose it. He'll choose the one that was right next to him the whole time. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I mean, but we're doing that too, right? It's yeah, just, we, it, we can learn a lot from dogs. 
We can. Yeah. All right. I want to know about the fourth gen. This is okay. coming out from Focusrite products. Yeah. Everybody's familiar with the third gen. I've used the second gen. I mean, we've we just used Focusrite for a long time and it has gotten me through so many predicaments. Uh, mm-hmm. One time we had one of those big boards and my engineer was like, hey, listen, I got one in my backpack. <laughs> she pulled out yeah. second gen Scarlet, saved the day because the other thing was just too complicated. So when it comes to keeping it simple, Focusrite, Scarlet series is great. Vocaster series, amazing. But now you're going from third gen to fourth gen. Yeah. And, and it's not just that PP switch. It actually no. sounds better. Or so you say, I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, the new fourth gen Scarlet. Happy birthday, Scarlet. It just in August, it celebrated 12 years of existence. In those 12 years, 6 million Scarlets have been sold worldwide. So that's a huge community of creators, musicians who trust their art and their sound to Scarlet. And over the generations, it's only gotten better. I joined Focusrite right at the start of second generation. And that was about seven years ago. I got to launch third gen and now fourth. And the new gen, it's so superior to anything in its price range. And it's got cool innovations that I've not seen on other interfaces. Why would somebody want to upgrade? Because this third one that I'm talking into, the 4i4, sounds great. What's the difference that I'm going to notice? The interfaces and the knobs on the front I've seen are different. On the gain on the front, it's now remote controllable. So you don't have to touch your unit to turn up your gain or adjust your gain. It can all be done from the new Focusrite Control 2 software. It also has auto gain. Technology that we picked from Vocaster is now available in Scarlet. I wasn't 100% sure on that. I wasn't sold on that for musicians until this weekend when I was hands-on recording a musician. And we were doing different things. We were doing chords. And then she'd do some finger picking, some soloing. One gets louder than the other. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's do your chords, set the auto gain. Let's do your finger picking, set the auto gain. Separate recordings, obviously. And we had matching recording levels each time because we adjusted the gain level. And I didn't think about it. You know, when you're in a session, you don't want to have to be riding that fader or adjusting that gain on the fly. Just adjust it and let it go. Another really cool feature is clip safe. You set that gain level. And if you get that dynamic, you get that loud speech or that loud vocal take, it actually turns the gain down. Wow. So it's like a governor. It is. Yeah. It's not a limiter. It turns it down and it keeps it there because it thinks you're going to come back to that hot spot again. But, you know, if that's that take with the magic, you might have to do a little boosting of the rest of your signal, but you didn't lose the magic. And so important, right? Because interviews for podcasters, you have that moment and you can ask the same question again, but it's never the same. No, because the laughter was already there. And that's usually it. It's, It's either laughter or someone gets really excited and they get louder. So that clip safe is a really fun feature. It's a great tool. It keeps us honest and it keeps us creative. And it's another barrier to technology we've removed. Audio quality wise, the output now has 120 dB of dynamic range. This gives you three times the headroom of third gen Wow! because it's a logarithmic scale. It's not a straight line from 110 to 120. It's a curve and it's three times greater dynamic range. So the noise floor is three times lower and the headroom is three times higher. The difference is tremendous in what you listen to. And you'll hear it listening to music. Just play back something, something you're used to. That's another place that reference tracks are very useful is have those songs that you know what the bass line sounds like. You know what that guitar riff sounds like because you listen to it through another piece of gear and you're like, well, that ain't right. Or I've never heard the pick sound before. Right. And that's kind of where I'm at right now with this Scarlet. We've all heard The Wall from Pink Floyd a billion times there's this beginning guitar riff that I never really got before. And I was just, huh, well, that's interesting. (laughs) It's not like they just added that. 
that's really important. Another thing on the mic pre's, 69 dB of gain is available. Okay, that's what I wanted to talk to you about because right now, so I've got an RE20. I don't need yeah. it, but I'm going into a lifter Yep. just to boost it. Yep. A lot of times, sure, SM7B, everybody's like, oh, you got to get a lifter for it because it's gain hungry, they call it. It is. It sounds like you might not need a lifter using this Gen 4. No, you don't. It's the same with Vocaster. Vocaster has 70 dB of gain. We eliminated the need for a gain booster. Sure did the same thing. They just put a gain booster into their SM7. I saw that. Yeah, the SM7DB is the new mic that just came yeah. out this week. Yeah. It has a cloud lifter built in. They worked together with cloud and they put cloud technology in their mic. Oh, wow. It's a hundred bucks more, yeah. but you know, it eliminated that need. It, it's kind of like what we did with Vocaster. It found the need and it fixed it. Well, I love it what you're doing because as somebody who came from, and this was a fluke when I got into radio, it was because I wanted to play my own music, but <laughs> this was... 91, you know, I'm a music mm -hmm. student in college and we recorded the tape and we sliced that tape with a razor blade yeah. and a China marker. That sounds racist, but the rights on China. Yep. It's uh, not anything to do with the country per se, but um, you got to tell people that these days, right? <laughs> Especially yeah. as a middle-aged white guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My point is, is that I don't want any barriers to me getting my message out. And the fact that I can do this from my walk-in closet and I know how to edit easily with free software like Audacity, amazing, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And this is another part of that, I think, the the yeah. Focusrite series. I mean, it, it, this thing would have cost a fortune. You'll appreciate this, man. I was in a used bookstore selling some used books that I had and I see a woman only in Nashville. She comes in with three ADATs and a DAT. And I said, you don't see those that often. And we had a good conversation about what had been recorded on them. And she was trying yeah. to sell them at the used bookstore. Whoa. But back in the day, those things were a fortune. And they yeah, probably they gave her 50 bucks. Nothing. So technology yeah. is coming down. And the fact is that what we've got on a computer and a Focusrite is better than what they had in professional studios even 10, 20 years ago. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in music school, the M-Box was, was. Oh, yeah. Thing. Had one. Yes. Yeah. That's what they gave us in music school was yep. an M-Box. And that's just basically an interface, right? And that what you would call that? Oh, yeah. That was one of the very first like USB affordable USB audio interfaces. Funny enough, it had a Focusrite mic pre in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. We partnered uh, that's before my time. Yeah. But, but I remember, yeah. I feel like those things came with Pro Tools or whatever. Yep. And they were yep. uh, because pricey. About that time, you know, 12 years ago. You had to have an Avid interface in order to use Pro Tools. Scarlet was the first interface available when Avid lifted the lock. Scarlet was available immediately, and that's why it was so attainable. And people were using Logic, and, and you didn't have to use anything specific, but there was a lot of people using Pro Tools. And it opened up a whole new world when Scarlet came out, and Avid simultaneously unlocked Pro Tools to other interfaces. Yeah. And that was a, a really big deal. And that's why it took off so much back 12 years ago, long before I was with the company. Well, it's an amazing time. I mean, the fact that we can go deep in these niches of podcasting and e even you being in Montana and I'm in yeah. Nashville, we sound like we're in the same room. Yeah, I love it. I don't take it for granted because it was not this way even just a few years ago and certainly not this cheap. I mean, if anything good came out of the pandemic, it was the remote interviews. Yes. Uh, you know, only got better. Yeah. Working remote. I worked for a company based in London. And here I am in the middle of Montana <laughs> reporting into them every day. Incredible. We still hadn't figured out the time zone thing. We're going to have to, you get to wake up early for that. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. I'm, I'm fine. I get, you know, it's great. I only got three hours a day with them. It's awesome. <laughs> 
Well, dude, it has been so fun having you here. We should have done this uh, sooner and I want to do it again for sure because I, I love the perspective that you bring. It's so different than where most people are. Just, I think, with our music background, but also seeing it from all sides and also the manufacturing side. I think with Focus Right as a podcaster and also in radio as well, I feel like this is a company that's on my side. Yeah. You guys listen and just great stuff that makes my job easier. So, you know, can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. I was, I was a Focus Right customer before I worked here. It's funny because I have a story that I think is very similar to a lot of people is I bought it as a placeholder to get something else I wanted. And then it never gave me a reason to replace it because it sounded so good. It worked so well. It did everything I wanted it to do that I've only upgraded and stuck in the Focusrite family since. Yeah. You know, I floated between Scarlet and Claret and this was a Sapphire was the original that I had, the old Firewire interface. Oh man, you're taking um, me back. <laughs> yeah, man. I had Sapphire and then Claret. Now I've got a Scarlet on my desk again. Yeah. And my vocaster, one sits on top of the other. So I, you know, when I switch the mood, I also switch interface. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Dan Hughley on Build a Big Podcast. Before I close this out, I want to throw out one thing that I think is important for you as a podcaster. The energy that Dan brought to this interview. Cool, laid back. You can imagine him behind the board in the studio that you're in. He's going to set you at ease. He's knowledgeable. He seems like he knows what he's doing and he makes you feel confident in what you're doing. We think, all right, I am in good hands with my message. You want to do the same thing as a podcast host. You want to come in, know your gear, know that you're going to get something on tape. Even if you're worried about it, we're all worried about it. We just talked about that. We are worried about missing those moments. But thanks to things like Focusrite, thanks to things like Riverside, thanks to things like backup recorders that are backing up the whole thing, just in case we've got a problem with our first recorder we can exude that same level of confidence. That confidence is going to be felt by our guests. You want a bigger podcast? You need to learn how to make a better podcast. And you make a better podcast by being more confident in your gear. If you need to step that up, Focusrite's got some great YouTube videos. There's a lot of stuff available on YouTube. You want to talk to some people? You want to ask questions? Look, I'm not a technical guy. But like I said at the beginning of this episode, I've been around recording studios all my life. Even though I'm technically a marketing guy when it comes to spreading your message, recording your message, that's a big part of it. If you've got questions about that, if you've got questions about marketing, you want to work with me personally, this is the best way to do it. It's called Big Podcast AMP, A-M-P. It stands for Audio Monetization Program. You can find out more at bigpodcast.com slash AMP, A-M-P. Go there now, take a look. If you've got questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to answer anything that you're wondering about. With that said, when you go there, bigpodcast.com slash AMP, you're going to see a long page. There's a lot of text on it. I've probably answered your question on the page. The reason why it's so thorough is because I want you to make a good decision. I want you to say, yeah, this is for me. Or on the flip side of that, no, this isn't for me. I'm better served somewhere else. If it is for you, let's work together. Bigpodcast.com slash amp. Do take a look. Do let me know. And let's make your podcast bigger, better, more effective, and also more profitable. Thanks for listening to Build a Big Podcast. Did you subscribe earlier? You should have. Part one with Dan Hughley, all about the psychology of getting a good recording. Because it's a one-two punch, man. You got to have the psychology and you've got to have the technical know-how. When you got those two things, you're good to go. So do get part one. You can do that by going to bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. Three buttons, one for iPhone, one for Android, one is an RSS feed. Also, that QR code that you can scan, instantly get Build a Big Podcast on your phone, bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. 
Go there now before you forget. And I'll see you on the next episode of Build a Big Podcast.